Blog Talk Radio. Women have the power to transform this world. We can end crime and violence if we all agree to do one thing. Share. Let's share our wisdom, share our time, share our talents, share our finances, but most of all, let's share our love. This is The Female Solution. Join me, Naima Latif, every morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, as we bring you stimulating discussions about the issues affecting our lives. If you're listening online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution, press the blue button that says follow and get our daily topics every morning directly to your email and your smartphone. Hi, I'm Naima Latif executive producer of the Female Solution Radio Show. We invite you to call in 515-605-9325 and participate in this daily think tank as we examine the challenges we face and develop solutions that restore peace and harmony. We are global transformers, changing the world from the way it is to the way it should be. We are one. Wherever we live on this earth, we are one human family. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to extend a greeting to all the members of our family, whenever and wherever you may be listening around the world. To our family in China, Ni Hao. In India, Namaste. In Japan, Konnichiwa. In Korea, Annyeonghaseyo. In Russia, Zdrastutsye. In Germany, Guten Tag. In Poland, Dzień Dobry. In France, bonjour. In Spain, hola. In Italy, ciao. In Egypt, athen wasalan. In Ghana, akwaba. In Nigeria, peleo. In South Africa, saobona. In Senegal, nangadef. In Kenya, jambo. In Israel, shalom. In Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Saudi Arabia, assalamu alaikum. Greetings. And may peace be upon you all. Tune in to Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time and 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear great topics and stories on grief and turn it into victory. Join Dr. Debbie Green to listen to stories of triumph and learn how to overcome. You are not alone in your life, and there is hope in the darkest hour. This is your time to learn strategies and solutions to improve your life. It's your time. So join Dr. Debbie Green with Soulful Solutions and call in on Thursday at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time and 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at 515 605 9325 with comments and questions. Look to hear from you real soon. Grand Rising, and thank you for joining us on this Thursday edition of the Female Solution Global Radio TV Show. I'm Naima Latif, your co-host, and we'll be joining Dr. Debbie Green as she discusses today another great topic Emotional addiction is living in your impulses 
and emotional mind, creating a chaotic lifestyle of drama. People usually are not aware of the damaging effects of emotions that are not controlled or merely processed or mentally processed. Our emotions shape our beings. It is the strongest energy that can consume you in any given situation. Join Dr. Debbie Green to discuss emotional hostile takeover when emotions become toxic and life-threatening. Come and learn new strategies to recognize an entangled, damaged emotion that could be life-saving. You are worthy of a peace of mind. Yes, we want you to call in 515-605-9325, and you can join us visually. Go to Facebook or YouTube, and you can type in Soulful Solutions and see the beautiful face of Dr. Debbie Green. Our emotions are more powerful than we realize. It's the energy that we project and the energy with which we attract. So when we have toxic emotions, we attract toxic situations. This is a truth that has been expounded upon over and over and over again by those communicators who are sharing this wisdom so that we can take control of the events in our lives. When we are in a state of emotional hostile takeover, then we actually create the conditions that we experience. Think of the last time you had a fight with someone. Think of the last time that you may have gotten violent with someone or someone may have gotten violent with you. Things don't just happen in a vacuum. We're always creating every moment of our lives. And when we create hostility within us, we experience it. So here is Dr. Debbie Green. Grand Rising. Grand Rising. Hello, good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Yes, another fun topic. To discuss, yeah. and of course, I'm, uh, you know, as as you've told our listeners ah. in the uh, description, <laughs> emotional hostile takeover. Now, that's something that I believe everybody has experienced. Either they created it or they experienced it from someone else whose emotions just got so out of control. And, I mean, when you think about every fight that you've gone, there was an escalation to the point where, Somebody just snapped, and there you have it. And when we can't control that, when we can't reel ourselves back in and calm down, it explodes. Right, right, right. And, you know, um, uh, it's, it's so uncanny, um, but most unusual. A lot of times we don't know it until it happens. Yes. Because it's, it's yeah, it's, because it's all impulse, it's all impulse. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's certain levels of that, yeah. absolutely. At certain levels, you have the mild, the moderate, and the severe. Uh, and we know what the severe is because it usually ends up in suicidal homicide. So uh, mm. when, it, when it gets to that, to that level, um, that's when things start to get, you know, totally out of control. Um, but what I want to do is actually start everyone up on, on the, on the mile, you know, saying that what if you can think about that. 
like, you know, when you think emotional hostile takeover. Now, our emotions are something that's innate, which is we were born with them, right? Yeah. They're innate, uh, and yeah. we don't really know how to control them unless we have a whole lot of self-awareness. Uh, yeah. Self-awareness will help you to determine how much control you have over yourself, because really that's what it is. That's what it you is. You know what I'm Yeah, how, how, much, how much control do you have over you, you know mm. what I'm saying, over your thoughts, over your, your feelings, your emotions? Because when you say, I, I just lose control, you know, we hear that so easily, right? We hear people say that all the time. I just lost control. I didn't know what happened. I mean, sometimes people brag about having that kind of temper where they just lose it. You know, yeah, I lost my temper, yeah. and I said, ooh. <laughs> yeah, but what happens when you when you just lost it? Yeah. Exactly. Well, one thing uh, I want to kind of, I want to let's start in the body functioning first, you know, mm. because this is a topic I talk about pretty much every day, uh, especially when I'm helping people to understand this thing called depression and also when things start, when you go into what they call self-harming, self-harming is just not suicide. Self-harming is uh, self-sabotage, self-defeat, and self-destruction. So, and these are all things that are generated by when one's emotions becomes uh, overbearing, uh, over, uh, what they call overwhelming, uh, Mm. feeling, uh, again, out of control. Um, in any aspect, because anything in life can pin you there. I don't care. You could be in a grocery store. Mm. You could be in a grocery store standing to the cashier, and then, you know, if you're one of those really, I call it, sensitive people to disappointment, and we're going we're gonna to go there, too, because I, I want you to know what causes one to lose control. Is it something right in the moment? Or is it something that has been built up over many years? Mm. Well, the thing about it, again, you can just be normally, you know, having a normal day, and then here comes a word, here comes a touch, here comes a sound. Something is going to trigger that emotional overflow, right? So when it does, when it does, then it's either one, you know, some people fight, some people freeze, and some people avoid, which is run away. Yeah. So because the, the adrenaline and the cortisol starts to, like, give you an instant boost. I mean, like, out of nowhere, right? Yeah. And before you realize that you went into hypersensitive mode, you, you know, automatically. And the thing about it is sometimes we know when people are like that or even ourselves, and sometimes we don't which means it may be a silent hostile takeover. Ooh, <laughs> a silent hostile takeover. <laughs> <laughs> or it may be a real loud one. You know whoever uh, has that control, because if they don't have that control, they're going to let you know. Yes. They're going to let you know immediately. It's yes. going to come out in bells, whistles, sounds, tone yes. value. And, and it's immediately, like 45 seconds, bam, okay, there it goes. But mm. the thing about this is, like I said, the mild, mild emotional hospital takeover is this. When, okay, we have that self-control. Some people who, who have self-control without suppressing now, okay, because those are two different things. When some when people suppress, that means that they feel 
like they, they put it like fresh. to the back of the mind, you know. Yeah. yeah. That's what they that's their excuse. Oh, I'm just gonna put it to the back of my mind. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna respond to this. You know, whatever this you know, they, is, I'm not gonna respond to it, right? So this is how they deal with their life when it comes to disappointment, hardship, grief, anger, mm. guilt, shame. All right. But this is not so good because guess what? You don't really get the opportunity to really process. Mm. You know, processing. It's like building your feelings. Up. Yeah. Right. And so they build up, build up, build up. And one day when you try to do that, put it to the back of my mind, that there's no more room back there, right? Mm. And so now the meridian nervous system, you have a, yeah. a meridian, that's what they call a meridian nervous system, as well as a lymphic system that then goes into overdrive. Mm. And if you ever say, like, I don't know if you ever experienced this before, Naima, but it could be a situation where you are, like, you're talking to somebody, and any other time they seem like they were okay, but this time, when you talk to them, they got real irate for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, just overflowed. <laughs> you know, I, I think of it like this. If you've ever tried to stuff things in a closet and you just keep throwing stuff in there right. and then you shut the door and pretty soon, you know, you got to throw things in there and shut the door real quick. As soon as you open it, it, it you know, spills out. So, you know, one last thing you try to shove in this closet and open the door, everything spills out just all over the place because you just try to jam too much stuff in there. Same thing, trying to push things in the back of your mind, or just I'll just let it go, I'll just let it go. But it's building up and building up, pressing that one last thing, and then everything exposed that you that you've been stuffing in there all that time. That's right, how I right, look at it right. when you when you won't deal and with emotions it, and just stuff them away and mm-hmm. stuff them away. Like you say, pretty soon there's no more room, and everything flops. There's out. no more room. Yes. There's no more room. So what what is the outcome of that? Again. Screaming, yelling, crying, out of control, not sleeping, okay? It interrupts the sleep patterns as well. It will also interrupt the eating patterns. Either you will eat too much or not eat at all. Mm. You see what I'm saying? It, either, it also interrupts the communication uh, with your outside world. Some people, this what they call shut down, right? Mm. Okay, all right, those are the mild to moderate symptoms that's letting you know, hey, I got something bottled up inside of me that I need to release. Mm. Because if I don't release this, it's gonna it's gonna become very problematic. So that meridian system, that lymphic system, which is, helps us to control our emotions in our brain, is working over time. So yeah. what what if we continue to do this over a period of years? Ooh, ooh. Over a period of years, guess what it's gonna do? It's gonna affect the nervous system, right? But the peripheral systematic nervous system, we have like all these systems that's running at full throttle in our in our being, in our bodies, right? Yeah. So so what happens when it then to the point where everything that little thin line, you know, just snap. Mm. We heard that snap mm. before, right? Snap, yeah. Like, you know, on the show where it says when uh snap when oh she just snapped and then she, she went snapped. on and and, you know, she took somebody's life or whatever, or someone mm-hmm. snapped, and they, they, they went to, uh, you know, her, kill themselves or kill someone else. Okay, all right, before we even get to those levels, people, you need to pay attention to yourself. Is it 
so very, very important that you do this. And you need to also know what triggers you and do your very best to work and process through those triggers. Because if you don't process those triggers, they're going to always, always cause you to come out of yourself. Mm. And you'll know that. You're like, oh, every time this happens to me, I just get so angry, you know, or I just shut down. Are you saying that? Okay, that means that you something is controlling you from the inside out. Mm. From the inside out, right? And I'm not saying that, you know, in every situation we must remain calm. No, I'm not saying that. It doesn't happen that way. It's just that, again, are you processing what you are feeling? Or are you either, you can either ignore it, fight with it, or freeze. That's the way it works. Mm. When you fight with it, they're like, okay, this is happening to me. I am fully aware that I am feeling this because they said that or this, whatever. You see what I'm saying? Okay, process your stuff first. Don't always think that it's something that someone is saying to you or doing to you all the time to make you come out of your person. Because mm. how, why was so, how? Ask yourself, why am I giving someone that much? That much power. Power over me. Mm. What's, what's, what's the weakest spot? in me that causes that. Yeah, I saw something the other day, and maybe you can explain what it was that happened. I was at a McDonald's, you know, and sometimes crowded, you know, there's a long line and everything. And I guess the person at the cashier, maybe she was new, she seemed like she was kind of fumbling a bit. And and so it it was taking them a long time, it seems like. Maybe the whole staff might have been new because, you know, used to fast food being fast. But this particular... <laughs> location, they seemed to be, you know, getting a couple of people's orders wrong. They had to go back and, you know, okay, take that away and put in, oh, they didn't want onions on the cheeseburger. Okay, you know, I mean, so it's like the line was taking a long time, and I guess this woman who was uh, standing in line was getting irritated because it was taking a long time. So, uh, So she's already... You know, so when she finally got to her time to order and then she placed the order and then the cashier, you know, rang it up and everything. And and they're back in the kitchen, you know, trying to fix it and so forth. And then something happened. I think they had forgot her fries. And so the order came up. The cashier gave her the bag. She looked in there. She didn't have any fries. She didn't even get my fries. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. You didn't put the fry in there? Okay, so the, the the person, you know, put the fries in the bag. This woman exploded. She said, I don't even want them now. She snatched them out of the bag and threw them at the cashier. And I was like, was that really necessary? And, you know, and she stormed out. And everybody's looking like, what the heck? You know, why? I mean, yeah, we are all kind of, you know, we realize they're moving a little slower, but it's not that serious. So what was that? I mean, this was just, you know, okay, they're a little slow, but did it really require that level of explosion and really violence? I mean, she hit the cashier with the fries. I'm trying to tell you, but see, this is, this is what I say. Remember I say it's mild, moderate, severe. Okay, that's a severe area of hostile, emotional hostile takeover. That's a perfect example. Mm. And we see this all the time. We read about it. We see it. We, you know, 
um, if I can actually refer to an incident that happened maybe about a month or so ago about the man that was hitting the woman when she was coming to get her food. In yeah. It's in Chicago, you know, Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah. And he was, you know, threatening her, you know, if she didn't shut up, blah, 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 he was going to do this and do that. Yeah. You know, and he, and he hit her, yeah, okay, it's the same example. That's what a, that is a perfect example of a hostile emotional takeover. And that's, and that's exactly what people do. And you said, well, how do, you know, irrational, how, how did that happen? You know, uh, or, you know, they didn't think, uh, no, you're right. They don't they think. Don't okay. Think. Remember what I said. Yeah. It's all emotional. People think that there's a, there's a small area of thought, mm. but there, it's a big area of emotion. Now, the thing about this is they've been building up, building up, building up, building up, and this is a pattern of them, which is anger. That's, mm. Anger comes in many, many arrays and fashions, and that was a person that was angry. They were angry before they got there. They have no emotional control, yeah. none. They were angry none. before they got there. When they, when, they act like, when they act out like that in front of other people, they have no, those are walking, breathing, Landmine. Now, I, I have a, I have another question because, you know, a lot of people experience domestic violence with someone yes. who otherwise is peaceful. But then if they do something like drink alcohol, it's like they become this right. other person where all this anger and violence is released. Now, is that someone, yes. because maybe for social reasons, has been... Uh, taught to suppress anger or not allowed to show anger, but then when they drink the alcohol, that releases the inhibitions and they 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 explode and, and all the things that they've been holding back. Is that what's happening when they become that other person after they drink and they, all that anger that you never see when they're sober? Maybe when they're sober, they're really nice, mild-mannered, and just take all kinds of things, but then when they get drunk, it's like the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde kind of thing. That that horrible person comes out. Is that mm-hmm. what that is? That they they release all of that once you know the alcohol takes over the brain or whatever happens. And we call it liquid courage. Ah, <laughs> liquid courage. <laughs> liquid courage. Mm. Liquid courage, my dear. Mm. Liquid courage. And a drunk man never lies. Ooh, what is that? A drunk a drunk man speaks so really a sober man's mind. Yeah. So he has, you got the pretenders that you don't. That's right. Mm. Every drink, because they don't know. When you are intoxicated, you don't lie. So mm. whenever it comes out, it comes out. Now, really, truly, that's how he truly feels. Yeah. When, when, he's into, when he or she is intoxicated and all the, the you know, the emotions, wow. anger, whatever comes out, that's how they truly, truly feel. That's how mm. they feel, right? So wow. when that is over... When they come back to themselves as the sober person, oh, they're going to wail, they're going to cry, they're going to beg, they're going to feel so so bad. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry, blah, 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 blah. And we see this all the time. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Emotional hospital takeover. Wow. Now, that's drug-induced. That's alcohol and substance drug-induced. But deep down inside, that is the way they feel. That's the way. Matter of fact, that's who they are. Let's just keep it simple. That's mm. who they are. And a lot of people cannot drink. They don't they don't they do not need any 
alcohol because it totally transforms them. They're, they're not the same kind of person. It affects their brain. They don't need any any anything at all, period. So have you had the experience of counseling perhaps uh, a couple where that is the case at, at the root of the domestic violence, and you hear somebody go, well, he's okay as long as he's not drinking. And that other person who drinks, they will, you know, hey, I, I have a right to drink, I like to drink, or whatever right. it is. But you can see that, like you say, that alcohol is liquid courage, giving them the, the, the courage to say what they really feel that for whatever reason they don't feel they can say when they're sober or they're afraid to say when they're sober. And, and that is the core of the problem is that their fear of speaking the truth when they're sober and facing the other person's, you know, perhaps uh, disapproval of their emotions. What, what have you seen with that? Right. Well, um, from my experience, Naima, uh, I see that I've seen it several, several times over the years where, uh, it's not just alcohol, but drug-induced, um, mm-hmm. you know, totally. Well, they totally change um, the factor of, like, they're, when they're sober, let me say it like this, when they're sober, they can talk about, you know, what's wrong and how they want to change and how they think, you know, that it's them, you know what I'm saying? They, mm-hmm. they even blame themselves. You know, they start self-defeating, self-sabotage, because they know they're self-destructive and self-harming. Now, but that doesn't mean they're going to change. They'll tell the whole truth, mm-hmm. but it, that, that doesn't mean they're going to change. So the other person, which is the partner, the wife, or what have you, what they do, they give them all of this rope. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, well, maybe he or she will change, you know. Maybe they won't hit me again. Maybe they won't call me out my name or disrespect me or whatever the case may be. Mm. But this is a pattern. Mm. It's a pattern. And when you see a pattern, a pattern is not easily broken because it becomes an emotional addiction. That's the reason why I was saying that. It's emotional addiction because you've been doing it repetitively and you have trained yourself. You literally have created a negative, repetitive action cycle. Remember, it's a vicious cycle. It's mm. vicious. And it affects everything, everyone around you. Yeah. And the thing about this is that either you're going to realize that you, that it is, like I said, you can tell the truth, but if you're not changing, what's the use of coming clean? There's no use. Now, if you want to change, that means you would have to definitely stop the, the addiction. That means you're going to go through withdrawals. And the, and the crazy part about this is even when alcohol or drugs are not involved, don't you know people have withdrawals to anger? They have withdrawals to guilt. Mm. They have withdrawals to shame because it becomes toxic. Mm. Anything that's toxic becomes an addiction. Wow. Well, even food. It's an addiction, but you also have withdrawals. Because remember, withdrawals are anything talking about when the body, the mind, the spirit has to change energy. So if it's used to this type of energy, this type of action, this type of behavior for a period of time, so now it has to be reprogrammed. All the energy has to change. So 
So the old energy is constantly clashing with the new energy that's trying to come in, and that's when it's trouble. Physical, like what were drugs for alcohol. Let me give an example. You get DTs, right? Mm-hmm. And those DTs are flu-like symptoms. The body starts to get sick and feel achy, and and uh, like you're having this worst, worst type of flu imaginable. You even will start vomiting. You will start having diarrhea. All of these things. And all you want, if you take that next drink, it just stops. Mm. Okay, that's substance abuse. So let's take it a little deeper. Anger. Anger is the emotion. Anger is the emotion. And when you say, wait a minute, you mean to tell me I'm addicted to anger? Yes, you can. Because you have been responding in it. Anything we're responding on a rep- repetition cycle, we're building Comes an addiction whether we realize it or not. Wow. So that person. Either a good addiction Mm. Uh, negative ones. That's all. Wow. You so, see what I'm saying? So, so if, I, if I keep responding to my anger the same way, I am creating a cycle, which is going to be eventually an emotional also takeover. Mm. So because remember the word emotion erosion that we had on yes, the last show? Yeah. Emotion erosion. That means that now that stuff is festering. It's festering. It's creating things in the mind is creating things in the spirit, and because it's done repetitiously, now you're always irritated, agitated for no reason. You don't even know why, because those are moods of anger, irritation, agitated, frustrated, and this is all you, everything hypersensitively bothers you. The phone ringing too much, the dog wow. barking too much. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So you get irritated. You don't even know why you're irritated. But it's because of that anger emotion not being finalized inside of you because you're not working through your anger. Anger is on the top of external, internal pain. The mm. pain is underneath all that anger. But because you were never dealt with your stuff, you still hypersensitive. Wow. Well, I got a question. I know we got to take a break, but I, I got to take. I, I'll, I'll ask the question after the break because. I've, I've seen so many families where everybody's adjusting to that person who's subject to explode. And so right. it's like you're walking on eggshells all the time because you know that any little thing can trigger them, and that's who they are. But then, like you say, they're affecting everybody because everybody's always living in stress. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that when we come back and, and maybe we talk about okay. where does that develop from, you know, what is that? And, and I want to give you some techniques on how to eliminate it because Yeah, that's, that's nothing you want to live with every day. Well, we'll be right back after this quick break, and if you're listening online and want to join this conversation, give us a call, 515-605-9325, and press 1. That lights your number up on our switchboard we know you have something to say and if you're on our switchboard now and have something to say or a question ask for dr debbie green press one and we will be right back after this break so stay with us we have an opportunity to transform the whole global society in the next 50 years 50 years from now the earth will be populated by a new generation of adults many of whom are yet unborn. Our mission is to nurture them in childhood 
with love, guidance, and protection and to raise them in healthy, happy families. If we impart values of compassion, generosity, and respect for fellow human beings in the next generation of children, they will create a world where people can live together in peace. This is our goal. Be a part of the transformation. Get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. Go to www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. Do you want to live in a world without war? Join our global peace movement. Heavenly Culture World Peace Restoration of Light transcends culture, religion, ideology, and other boundaries to achieve peaceful harmony in the global society. HWPL is committed to bringing world peace and cessation of war through peaceful dialogue between religious groups. I am Director Shin Suk Kim of the HWPL Chicago branch of North America. Join us for our next gathering. Call 773-580-1501 and be a part of the movement for world peace. Email us at chicagohwpl at gmail.com. Hey, it's time to take charge of your health. I'm Viata, your Holistic Life Coach, and every Friday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, I'm here on The Female Solution to empower you to make choices that will assist your evolution to abundant health. I'm also blogging every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time at Soul Purpose Healing where I bring you a spiritual chiropractic adjustment to bring you back into alignment with our Creator's love, compassion, and wisdom. Join me every Friday morning at 8 a.m. and Sunday evening at 8 p.m. for a time of unity, enlightenment, and love vibration. Shalom.
known people who lived in households where there was one person, you know, often the father, but sometimes even the mother. One of the people had this awful temper where it would turn violent. And everybody in the household was always afraid that they were going to explode. And slightest slightest trigger, you know, whether it was, you know, they come home from work and, you know, oh, you, you didn't wash the dishes or, you know, come home from work and, oh, you know, you didn't take out the trash or, you know, it just... Uh, it just was impossible to live uh, without fear. And if something, the whole family was always in a state of nervousness because if that person was angry, They've explode at the person they were angry with, and then everybody else in the household. And you know, if they was one of those parents that were into beating your children, oh well, everybody gets a beating. You know, <laughs> you all didn't, right. you all didn't mop this floor. And I mean, you know, it's just and that kind of a life. You know, growing up in a household like that. How does uh, how does how does that affect a person in adulthood? If you had a parent like that who was angry and abusive, and you always had to to just about walk around on tiptoe to make sure they didn't explode and become violent, what does that do to you as an adult person? What kind of anxieties could that create in you if you lived like that? And maybe the person was pleasant as long as they weren't angry, but if they flipped out, oh, no, you just it, it, it terrorized. What does that do to a person living like that? Yeah. Well, living with a very emotional uh, parent or, or, or a person, caregiver or what have you, uh, when you live with people who have issues controlling their emotions, and that's what, like, it feels like you're walking on eggshells, okay? And that's that's the term we use when fear is very high, okay? Mm-hmm. So uh, with children, Naima, uh, as early as three years old, they uh, if, if they are exposed to screaming, yelling, arguing, um, any type of, uh, verbal, emotional, physical situations, it, it definitely will change who they are. They become more um, hypersensitive, more emotional than most uh, with, with situations uh, in their life. As they become an adult, they become more nervous. Uh, I've seen uh, people, their nervous systems are really impulsive. Uh, and also, it's a strong chance of them create, you know, creating an addiction, because most children that come from, and we know this statistically, uh, I would say about 30% at least, um, children that are raised in any type of 
volatile or, you know, emotional kind of unsettling way, I'm trying to put in words you will understand, um, they create coping mechanisms. Coping mechanisms are drugs, sex, mm-hmm. shopping, any, any, any addiction that even uh, hoarding, uh, uh, any addictions in that area, they, they literally uh, create something outside of themselves to compensate those areas of pain because mm. that's pain. That's pain. And, it's, and now remember, a child cannot come and say to a parent or a caregiver or anyone, whoever, Oh, I don't want to hear this. I, you need to be quiet. Oh, <laughs> right. Don't talk to me that way. Or, you know what I mean? Right. Um, you know, you have some parents are are really conducive. Uh, they take the time and say, well, let me not argue. And let's argue not, not argue in front of little Johnny, you know, because we don't want to affect him, you know. Right. All right. So Most parents they may not see it. But that doesn't mean they don't pick up the energy. I want to let me stop right there, okay, Mm. because this is very important. Most parents say if they don't argue in front of their children that their children don't know. But they feel the energy. You can't possibly believe that. Yeah. Just because they don't hear you, that don't mean they don't pick up your energy. Right. Yeah, the silence. Over arguing. (laughs) It is not just... They literally pick up the energy because energy doesn't dissipate. It expands. Right? Okay, let me prove my point. I was counseling a family some time ago, and this family always, the mother and the father had two kids, and they always would say, oh, we don't argue in front of our kids because we don't get along. Now, they're getting ready to go through a divorce. Mm. They tell their children at all. Mm. Now, their children are in the way. One was 12 and the other one was 16. Wow. They didn't tell they, their children at all, right? And they were married for 12 years. Wow. And they didn't okay. tell the children so, that they were having problems. No, they didn't tell the children. No, because in their mind, they just they figured they're like, oh, no, we're not going to tell them because, you know, we're going to handle this on our own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, you know, and I asked them, I said, when did you not realize that you were not the only person in this family? When did you not realize that? Mm. When, you, when you thought two human beings that were breathing around you, what did you call them? Because you couldn't have called them children. Ooh. You couldn't have called them loved. Ooh. You couldn't have called them that. So you were in, in this, this, you know, really volatile. Because they, they were violent with their words, not their physical action. Yeah. I said, you were in this volatile relationship that now is resulted to a divorce. Mm. All this time, you thought your, your children didn't know. So, lo and behold, I had the, you know, the everybody in the room. So oh, it was the family counseling. It was the parents, and it was all of the kids. Mm. Right, it was the two kids, right? Yeah. One was 12, one was 16. So the one was 16, he was kind of laid back. He's like, I don't care, whatever, because he, he, he said, I've been knowing since eight years old that they didn't get along. Ooh. <laughs> so they weren't hiding. That's why I don't want to go back home. 
free programs uh, yeah. exposed, I can use a lot of words, to for a number of years in your life, wow. what do you think it's going to do? It's going to, so mm. when you do have a state of mind of peace or environment of peace, you're still walking on eggshells. Still nervous, still apprehensive, still hypersensitive. You know, I, I think yeah, because it's a trained like mechanism. It's trained, like yeah. an animal can be trained as anything. Okay, guess what? So can a human being. Wow. You know, I think of a lot of uh, relationships, and I've I've had friends who stayed in toxic relationships, and they say, "Well, I stayed for the children," and yet the children knew that number one, they were unhappy. And number two, that the household was uncomfortable because you're always worried about this person that may come home drunk and, and turn violent or come home angry and turn violent. You know, you're always feeling the tension in the house. But then the person says, well, I stayed for the children. Is that? And, and our society pushes that and makes you feel like you failed if you get out of a toxic marriage. So I've known many people who stayed where they were unhappy, uncomfortable, and always on edge because they believed it was best for the children. So was that a bad idea? And yes. what? what <laughs> I would think so. So are the children then are living in toxicity. And yes. that's all they know in terms of what a marriage feels like is, always feeling nervous and scared and, and apprehensive and never knowing when the next outburst is going to be. So is, is that, I mean, are we seeing like, uh, I don't know if you call it an epidemic, but is that a, a, a pattern with a lot of adults now that they lived in households like that where it was just toxic and people wouldn't yes. leave? Mm. Well, yes and no. I mean, the thing about this is, Remember, one can get comfortable in anything, okay? Wow. So, so, so uh, with repetition, I can get comfortable with pain. Ooh. With repetition, if I do it every day, I can get comfortable with pain. I can get comfortable with anger. I can get comfortable with fear. I can get comfortable with guilt. Mm. Right? Becomes Whatever you life. adapt to, it's going to persist. It's going to keep going. Mm. And so... In this situation here, as this is an adaptation mentally, emotionally, oh, it's wearing out the nervous system, trust me, okay? It's where the nervous system, and our nervous system can take so long before it starts to, to crumble and break, right? Wow. Now, when it crumbles and breaks, here comes sickness, mental illness. Wow. It's the first sickness you're going to experience. The next sickness is called physical sickness. Your, your, again, your ADLs, activity of daily living, is going to change. That's going to be your first signs and whistles, your mind and your body. Now, we ain't dealing with your spirit and your heart just yet because the heart is the one that holds it. It holds it. It holds it until the capacity, until it can't do anymore. You know, and I hate to always reflect on something negative to prove my point, but I, the reason why I do this is because I don't want people to get to that level. Mm-hmm. So you ever heard of this family, and we hear it all the time, oh, they, they seem to have a beautiful 
relationship. You don't hear any yelling, no arguing, and nothing going on. But then you then realize that someone in the family, whether it's the children, the husband, the wife, or whoever, has took a gun and killed everybody. Yeah. Yeah, what's up with that? Oh. And everybody always said, the neighbors always said, but they were so nice. They were quiet. You know, so there is like there's what never any warning. Earlier, I mm. said it can also be silence. Ooh. Emotional hostile take over. Ooh. See, that's the most deadly one. It's wow. the ones you don't know about. Mm. And then a lot of times people, they hold stuff inside like volcanoes, yeah. okay? And then everything is rolling and going on and, and you know, and, and, they, and they feel victimized. See, victim, victimization feeds an emotional hostile takeover mm. because you, you, you are a victim to the words. You are a victim to the sounds. You are a victim to the actions. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Of another human being or wherever it's coming from. It could be coming from your workplace. It could be coming from your past. It could be coming from your present moment. But you still are a victim to it. So what happens when you become a victim to it? You feel you can't escape? Yeah. Without either dying or, or take or, or removing that stimuli that's causing you to feel like you're being attacked. Wow. So in your mind, if I if I remove it and a person that that this is now this is where mental illness then takes on to a whole other level. And I think people get mental illness so confused with just bipolar, schizophrenia, no, sociopath. Mm. Have you ever heard of that? Sociopath. A sociopath becomes emotionless when it comes to themselves and to another human being. So it's easy for them to do what it is, snap, and take someone's life because they have no emotional control at all. They don't rationale. The only thing they're they're rationalizing is the plan to execute. Ooh, wow. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay. So... That's the worst. Those are severe cases. I was starting on the mouth. <laughs> but see, the mild thing is. My oh, <laughs> case is, is when you get upset and you can't control your emotions. Yeah. And you cut you somebody know, out. Yeah. You go from zero to 100 like this. Yeah. Like this. Yeah. And you like, and they say, why are you so angry? And you see people, oh, I don't, I don't talk to her because, you know, she. I can't talk to her. Might and I, I might say something wrong. Yeah. You I, go from zero all the way to 100 real fast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we've known people like that. that's normal. Mm. You may think that's normal because that's your world. Mm. But guess what? It ain't normal. Okay? Mm. One of these days you're going to do something that you're going to really regret. Yeah. So you better take some deep breaths and get some self-responsibility and some self-awareness to save your life. Save yes. your life from sickness, mental illness. Yeah. Save your life first. Because if you don't save your life, I guarantee you it's going to keep building up. You're going to end up saying the wrong thing to hurt somebody or doing the wrong things to hurt somebody. Well, you know, I'm seeing so many cases where somebody <laughs> that you just described, you know, that person who's liable to flip off of somebody, they flip mm-hmm. out of the wrong person, and maybe the person got the same issue they got, but then next thing you know, somebody's pulled out a weapon and, and shot somebody dead yeah. over something little. 
and you wonder, how did that happen? You know, a traffic situation, what, road rage, whatever. You know, somebody doing something little, and then they argue. Well, like you, the, the the example that you mentioned earlier with the restaurant, you know, the man, you know, if you say one more thing, I'm going to knock you out. And then next thing you know, he's hitting her, and then her son goes get the gun, and he's dead. So, you know, I, I see those situations happen all that we see it all the time in the news. Some little incident escalates, and next thing you know, there's a, a fatal action by somebody who right, just flipped. Right. And so now people are, 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 well, the problem that I see, you have a society that too many people are walking on eggshells, you know, afraid right. to go to the grocery That's store, somebody yeah. might pull out a gun, yeah. afraid to go to school. I mean, I'm looking at the insanity yeah. of active shooter drills in the school. Well, just in case somebody, you know, flips out and comes in here with a gun, we're going to be ready. So we got to take a break in a few minutes, but maybe we, when we come back we can talk about what emotional impact is that having when you actually create an environment where classrooms of children are always walking on eggshells, and that sense, always fearful that someone may come in and shoot them to death. And we're thinking, oh, we're making them prepared. I believe that we are traumatizing an entire generation by constantly reminding them that at any moment someone could come in with, a, with an automatic weapon and kill everybody in the school. So we're just going to keep you prepared, and we're going to have these drills and prepare you what to do, and we're going to keep talking about it and keep re-traumatizing you so that you don't feel safe at school. I believe we're traumatizing this entire generation doing that. But, of course, we can talk about that when we come from the break, and I'm sure there are other people, and we want you to weigh in on this because school just started, and, you know, I'm looking at this like this is insane. I don't think it's keeping our children safe. I think it's making them insaner. I think it's making them traumatized, having to live with the expectation that they could be murdered at any moment, and they are feeling like they don't have any control over that. I, th- I think it's like living in one of those toxic households. There you go. So we got a couple of comments, I guess, also, if you want to bring those up uh, uh, on the screen, people watching. Uh, and if you're listening online and want to join this conversation, give us a call, 515 515- Six zero five nine three two five and press one. That lights your number up on our switchboard. We know you got something to say. And if you're already on our switchboard and have a thought you'd like to share, press one, and we'll open your mic and get your thoughts. You're listening to and watching the Female Solution Global Radio TV Show, and this is Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green. We got a comment from Viata there that says. Grand rising, beautiful queens, loving this discussion. <laughs> I'm sure it hits home with a lot of people. Good morning, Queen B. Yes. I'm sure it is hitting home with a lot of people who may have grown up. Ah, uh, yes. And there's our dear brother Quentin D. Alexander saying good morning. Tune in. Have a great day. One love. Chief Tampa Taylor. Yes, definitely. Uh, doing some great work in, in uh, Liberia. We're going to have him on a show in the future to talk about some, some profound things that he's doing uh, around the world. But, you know, I find that, like you said, you can get you can get used to anything. And when you normalize insanity, yes. then you don't right. know it's insanity. 
Yeah, so we're going to take a break and come right back. And we want to hear from you. And uh, let me check our switchboard. Of course, if you're listening online and want to join this conversation, again, give us a call, 515-605-9325. If you're on our switchboard now, you've got a thought you'd like to share or a question you'd like to ask for Dr. Debbie Green, call in, 515-605-9325. Press 1. We'll open your mic and get your thoughts, and we'll be right back after this quick break. So stick and stay. Don't stray away. We'll be back in a moment. Stay with us. Everything you need, what your body needs, is found in nature. So Susan Essentials doesn't do it any other way. Susan Essentials provides your employees and individuals access to over 20,000 nutritional products. And they are shipped direct to your door. Because Susan Essentials is certified in plant-based healing, we're permitted to offer you the best nutritional supplements on the planet. They're non-GMO and sustainably produced. And we take the guesswork out for you. Let Susan Essentials help you take control of your health today. Oh man, God sent the monthly sun bill today. This sunlight is really expensive, especially during this season. I'll probably have to work overtime to pay it. Well, you better pay it on time. We don't want the sun to go out and we're sitting up here all day in the dark. Wouldn't it be terrible if God charged us for sunlight? Well, thank God, the light and heat from the sun is free. So why are we paying such high bills for the energy we use in our homes? Because we don't know how to use solar energy, the free energy from the sun. You can convert your regular home to a solar energy home and save tremendously on your electric bill. Take a look at your electric bill. Wouldn't you like to reduce or possibly even eliminate that cost altogether? Let one of our solar consultants show you how. Call today, 312-849-3456. And schedule a free consultation. That's 312-849-3456. Have you ever dreamed of going to exotic places, meeting fascinating people, enjoying uplifting music, and spending nights in a luxurious hotel. Do you look forward to a relaxing vacation where you can walk along the beach or sit in a quiet park and enjoy the sunset or sunrise? Whether you're flying around the world or driving across the country, we will share travel tips that will help you stay safe while you enjoy the journey. Join me every third Saturday of the month, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, and move around with Deborah here on the Female Solutions Show. Call in and comment, 515-605-9325, and press 1 to speak.
are back. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. My name is Dr. Debbie Green. This is Sofa Solution. And we welcome you today with my wonderful co-host, Naima Latif, our executive producer of The Female Solution. If you're just joining us, we're talking about emotional addictions and experiencing uh, and working through, hopefully, an emotional hostile takeover. And if you've never actually went through anything like this, which you probably have, you just wasn't aware of it. You know, a lot of times we we start feeling things that we feel, oh, I can't, I can't control this. It's too much. Okay, all right. So there's a good chance that you were definitely experiencing a hospital takeover at that point. Now the question is, what did you do about it? Mm. <laughs> if you didn't do anything, that means you went from zero to a hundred, and you stayed up there in those intensities for a period of time. Because most of the time, it's usually anywhere between three to five minutes of an intense feeling because it has to come back down because we're just like heartbeats, people. We go up or we come down. We go up and we come down. We don't stay up. We can't. Our nervous system will not allow that because our immune systems and all the systems are perfectly created to control intensity. Now, the thing about this is, though, but if we're constantly doing this, we are creating a pattern of responding to external stimuli. External is sounds, people, situations, circumstances, all of those things. We, we have created our response system. And if our response system is not controlled, then, of course, we build up. We build up a whole lot of internal uh, feelings that have not been processed mentally. And that's how things start to build up to the point where you start seeing people uh, become very hypersensitive to rejection, abandonment, anger, guilt, shame, all of those things. And when we become hypersensitive to them, then here comes toxic energy because it's done with a repetition. Anything that's done repetitiously is going to create a pattern. And that pattern, if it's not a healthy pattern, will also have an unhealthy outcome. Mm. You know, I look at uh, the way we have adjusted to the outcome, the unhealthy outcome, as opposed to getting to the root of the problem so that it doesn't develop that way. And, I mean, really, this is not rocket science, people. And even if it was, you could figure it out because everything is something you can resolve. But you look at the person who for whatever reason, over a period of time, they, maybe they felt disrespected or disregarded or unloved, and that builds up, and then they become that personality that explodes in anger after they've repressed the emotions, and perhaps they become that person who has gotten so angry, now they're ready to just take it out on the world, and so then they're able to you know, take a weapon that maybe they bought for, you know, protection or whatever they thought. But anyway, that becomes what they use to explode at people at random, you know, these these people who end up, you know, killing many people. And and then after that happens, and it, it keeps happening, people, uh, after it happens, then we had this long conversation about mental illness and getting people help, 
and 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 ending gun violence by safe gun laws. We have this long conversation, but then we still do nothing, and we wait for the next tragedy for that person to explode. And what is this saying? If you do things the same, do the same thing the same way and expect different results, that is insanity. So correct. You know, knowing that the outcome of that, which is the person who becomes the active shooter someplace, is terrorizing everybody, why are we choosing to not recognize when that behavior is being created by getting rid of the toxic environments we're creating that causes that person to develop in the way they do? That's, that's my question. And I look at what we're doing with our children and having them go through drills of what to do when such a person comes into the school and shoots up everybody. To me, that is the most outrageous thing we could possibly do. And I believe it is going to, we're going to see the results of that a generation from now, 10 15, 20 years now, we're going to see some emotional problems in these children that have been taken through this mental process of visualizing someone coming into their school, killing everybody. What are your thoughts on right. that? And, and I know people want to be politically correct, but come on, let, we, we, this show is about truth. we got to get to the root of the problem and fix it and not not deal with this insanity. What, what, are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, when it comes to the school system or any system, um, like it could even be the workplace, if, if you're dealing with adults, I think you need in this situation you need to deal with adults to have them be more proactive than the children. Um, and the only reason why is, okay, let's just take the grade school. Mm-hmm. Grade school is, I mean, these kids are not, you know, they're, they're totally aware that what's happening in the world. They They know about the shootings, they know, you know, everything, because kids uh, pay more uh, close attention to social media than we think they do. Mm-hmm. So they are very fully aware of their environment. But let's take an anxious child, a child that has, uh, you know, generalized anxiety disorder for whatever reasons, and, you know, and that child goes to school, you know, saying, and they are then, like you said, having these trainings, are trying to prepare uh, the children for what may come or whatever the case is. Okay, uh, this particular child is going to not look at it as a child that's not experiencing, you know, uh, anxiety. He or she is going to be very nervous. Uh, they're going to start thinking uh, that something may happen to them, so it's a possibility they may get um, symptoms of paranoia mm-hmm. or even delusion or uh, mm-hmm. just imagining things like going to school will be, uh, they'll start feeling very um, afraid uh, and paranoid, as I said. So don't even want to go to school. Don't even want to be there. That is so when, they're, when they have to catch the bus or whatever, they're like, as soon as they get up in the morning, oh, God, I got to go to school. Somebody might break in today. Somebody might come in with a gun. That's what they're thinking. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? But I guarantee you, none of the board of, of chairmen of education are thinking like that. They're not thinking that they may have a child that has, that has some type 
of mental dysfunction and you're introducing to them how to combat or prepare for someone that could possibly come in and take their life. Listen to that. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So I've heard a lot of children say they don't want to go to school. The parents. Yeah. Right. But I think the staff, the staff Mm -hmm. should be the one that's educated. I don't, I don't think the children should be exposed to it, and that's just my opinion, but I believe that the staff should be educated because they're, they're, they are the ones that are supposed to protect our children because that's what we do. We, when children go to school, they're in their care. Mm-hmm. So they, are, they have the liability. Like, the, um, for example, the, the Texas, you, you, uh, you don't, I believe that's what, what it's called, um, what, what happened with that massacre, the doors were open that day. Yes, it was Uvalde, the, yes. It was when school was out. They were about to let out for the summer. Mm. So the doors were open. There was mm-hmm. no security. Right. There was no security on there. Now, you said something earlier I want to address, too. You're like, well, people just, you know, all of a sudden, Go and give the gut. No, it's never all of a sudden. Everything mm. is planned. Yeah. People yeah. plan things in their yeah. mind of self-destruction. Yeah. Because when you destroy someone else, you destroy yourself. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So they planned it. And that particular day, you know what I'm saying, he planned on it all. Yeah. He was on this website, this app, talking about, oh, he was going to go home and, and shoot his grandmother. He was going to... Yeah. Uh, go to school. He told someone this, and they yeah. knew it. And they did not. And they didn't take him seriously. They didn't take him seriously. Until they heard it in the news. Okay, the average person, believe it or not, now we know because, I mean, if someone just comes to tell you, hey, I'm going home and I'm going to kill my whole family because they're getting on my nerves. <laughs> okay, you hear it. But you don't take it seriously. Until you but, hear it on the news. But you don't take it seriously, especially if it's somebody you know. Yeah. Especially if somebody you know, and they ain't never showed you that hostile side of them. Yeah. You, you just say, oh, oh, he probably just having them on. Now I'm going to take all of them out when I get home. They're getting on my last nerve. Mm. Okay. So guess what? The day he said it, he didn't do it. Yeah. Okay. But then a month or two later, it happened. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So now you're like, oh, my God. He did say he was going to do that. This is why mm. our society, Naima, we are so numb or so uh, adaptive mm. to violence that we don't even know how to even respond to it anymore. Wow. Wow. We don't, I, I'm we sure people... I'm sure people are showing signs. I know it sounds strange, but it's real. But it is, it is true. I, I mean, because I'm a clinician. Yeah, you know, and, and, well, if you normalize something that's abnormal, that's what happens. How often do we see these, these horrific actions on the news, day after day after day after day? And as long as it's not happening to somebody you know, you don't really feel anything. Now, if it happens to somebody that you know, like, you know, 9-11, anybody who had somebody who was living in New York who might have been physically uh, affected by the, 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 the plane crashes and all that, 
they were really traumatized because oh now it's personal. Right. You know, my loved one was there, and uh, you know, I someone that I know passed away in that tragedy. All those things. So people feel it when it's somebody they know. When it's somebody someplace else, they can be relatively nonchalant about it because it didn't affect them. But you're right. We have gotten to the point of correct. It's it's been made normal, and so these school right. shootings, these right. you know, uh, grocery store shootings, these theater shootings. We talk about it for a, a few days, and we have that conversation. Oh, we need more mental health care. Oh, we need more gun control. Oh, we, you know, we we say these things, and then we go back to normal, and never fix the problem which is the person who has not learned how to properly express their emotions and release them so that they don't explode. And what right. kind so, of environment did they live in where they yes. learned how to repress like that? Okay, now listen to what you just said. So what are we teaching our children? Because this is how the adults respond to it, right? So right. we're teaching our children to suppress Anger. anger. We're teaching our children how to suppress violence. Yeah. I guarantee you, when there's a serial killing, families don't call each other to a table and say, let's talk about that serial killing that happened yesterday. They don't. They don't. How do you feel about that? Did that affect you? They don't. They don't, they don't do that. They don't mentally process right. it. Right. Adults don't mentally process it either. They right. just keep on going. Right. Right. And I mean, what else can we do? Please understand. I understand. I live on this thing because this place is on earth too. But what I'm saying is, I, you know, we don't want to get paranoid, but then we also want to remain conscious. Conscious. Yeah. Not cautious. Conscious. Conscious. Of what we are experiencing. Right. Because if you don't remain conscious of it, you're going to suppress it. Right. And you're going to take it home with you. And when you take it home with you, it's going to affect your life at right. some given point. And it's like workplace violence. Right. Workplace violence is when the home meets the workplace and the workplace meets the home. Mm-hmm. And it collides. Boom. We yes. see this all the time. All the time. Again, you got billions of people that walk this earth, and it's like a needle in a haystack. You don't know which one of them are the walking, uh, breathing time bomb. And and I think that's what is creating almost like know. a mass uh, paranoia. I had a, I had a relative uh, tell me the other day that they were nervous about going shopping. You know, you never know who might have a gun. And I'm thinking, wow. How do how do you live like that where you're now so nervous because of you know what had happened in Georgia and all that and other places you're now you're so nervous that something that's a normal activity creates anxiety for you and you're living in that state of anxiety. I mean, over a long period of time, how, how is that going to affect us as individuals and as the collective society if everybody? is always living in a state of anxiety, worried about that person who might explode, and you don't know who it is, you don't know where it is and, and when it might happen. And so you're living like that day to day. And that's like walking on eggshells in your own home where you got to worry about the person right. coming home and going to, you know, 
oh, you didn't empty the garbage, let me let me get out the strap and just beat everybody. You know, I mean, that living like that, that's we've kind of made that we we we've taken that scenario in the house, that toxic scenario, and made it the society where where everybody's always worried that 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 person that's out of control is going to come and bring violence. That's we can't live like that. Okay. How do we begin well, to reverse Remember what this? I just said. Okay, remember what I said earlier. If a person has any mental illness or any mild, moderate, or severe, they're going to, it's going to affect them even more. Yes. So it's a good chance that the, the person that you're talking about probably has an anxiety disorder that you don't know anything about. Mm, and this either, is Right, and so that's what happens. Uh, people become more more induced to uh, and more paranoid when things start to happen because we experience things through our senses. We mm. we see it, we hear it, and if we don't know how to process those feelings, considering this external stimuli, that is when that is when things start to uh, you know tear from the scene, and mm. here comes the thought, oh, uh, I, I may be in trouble. Uh, this may happen to me. And we call that self-defeat, self, you know, self-destructive mindset. We call it automatic negative thinking, another word called ants, right? Mm. Automatic, negative, those, automatic those negative thinking. Yeah, automatic negative thinking. We call them ants in the, in the clinician world, mm. right? So when ants are yeah. in your kitchen, it's hard to get them out, right? <laughs> you right, right. Honey, you got to go out there. You got to clean everything. You got to spray everything. Yeah. But again, if you just see one, because you figure if you haven't see one, I know it's a whole lot, yeah. right? So these, this is what this is called. Automatic. All of that energy that is outside is transferred and goes, flows through people, whether they realize or not. Flows mm. through their minds, flows through their spirits, flows through their heart. Because we're porous. Mm. You put something on your hand like lotion, look back, it's gone. It yeah. just flows in. in. So the invisible spiritual things also flow through our being, right? So when these things flow through our being, this is energy. You can walk in. Okay, let me prove my point. You can walk into a room, no one's saying nothing, and you can pick up a whole lot of stuff yeah. when nobody's saying nothing, yeah. right? So that's energy. Energy is it's not seen. It's invisible, but it's mm. very, very powerful, yes. and it flows through your being. So if there's any, uh, again, any fear that's already inside that person mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, it just intensifies the fear because they need to work through it. They're not processing it. They're not looking at it from a logical state of mind. Okay, am I worrying too much? Is this too much for me? Oh, I don't need to do that because I'm making myself nervous. No, they're not processing it. They're just feeling it. Wow. You have some people that go through life feeling and don't think. Mm. They feel everything. And that is because of, that, again, of the environment that they grew up in. They were caught up in their feelings. They were caught up in their emotions because wow. they, they were suppressing so long so they did not tell anyone, but maybe not even got the opportunity to. So mm. all of this bottled up energy is still there of fear. It's still there. 
And they can make pretend like it's all day all day long, but at some given point, it's going to come out because mm. it always does. Wow. That's it's so powerful our being is. It's so We hold massive amounts of energy. And we're eight, well, we're really eighty twenty, right? And I did research on this back in it was a little bit by two thousand eighteen, and I wanted to know my my goal was to study how the mind deals with negative events in mm. life and how, how long it holds on to it, right? Wow. So when I learned that we're eighty twenty, we're eighty percent negative, twenty percent positive, and that may sound odd, but we are unless. We have to change our processes. So like if you're a person that processes everything, process mentally, which means you question things, you probe, you examine, you explore, not overly explore or underly explore. You just explore, find a solution, and give it an answer and, and move. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But if you don't do that, if you don't explore, if you don't probe, you know, as we get adults and stuff of that nature, you know, as we grow in this thing called life, then we suppress. Do you understand mm. what I'm saying? Because you, you're not probing. You're not trying to figure it out. You're just dealing with it. You're holding it in. And it, and it holds and it gets bigger. Energy doesn't dissipate. Right. It doesn't go it, flat. It so now if we are 80-20, if we're eighty twenty, is that is that how we were programmed? Because you know, you're coming out as a child, you're open to whatever you experience. So if in your upbringing, what you received is eighty percent negative feedback and twenty percent positive feedback, does that then set you almost for life, or does that that create that automatic? Response because that's you know as a child you you heard more shut up sit down don't touch that you know uh, you know just negative feedback you're bad you know all that maybe every now and then oh you're a cute little child every now and then you might get a word of praise um, but eighty percent of it was negative I mean does does that set a person's mindset because of how they're raised. They say your personality is, is, is fully formed by the age of four. So in those first four years, if 80% of the feedback you got from the people who raised you was that there's something wrong with you, you know, you're getting on my nerves, be quiet, sit down, shut up, you know, all of these things that make you feel bad, and if that was 80% of your experience and only 20% you got some kind of positive reinforcement. Does that kind of set the pattern for your life unless you are made consciously aware of that and then make some conscious choices to undo that? You know, what happens? Right. Yeah. Okay. Your last your last bit of your conversation is to answer. Okay, mm. so uh normally, just for my studies, uh I mean, normally the generational pattern. I think Zelda uh, uh, Robinson, our Monday host, just asked a quick question, and that's what I was about to address. This was what she said. Oh, she says, Grand Rising. Grand Rising is yes. for teachers looking forward to continue to examine 
off. Is that why it's generational? Mm. And that answer is yes. That answer is yes. So the generation, when I, I did a study when I was taking my uh, doctoral back in 2019, um, and the study was uh, actually the, it was like epigenetics, epigenetics mm. conversing or versus generational curses that was in the Bible. So mm. what my actual, what I was actually proving, this is what I was proving, that generational curses where they had a true pattern, mm. right? So epigenetics is when the DNA takes on the environmental change. Wow. Okay? Like you, your DNA is definitely contoured, uh, impressed by your environment, actions, mm. behaviors, sounds, all of that, right? Mm-hmm. So epigenetics was the scientific data made it very possible, but most of all gave me the results I needed to to prove that generational curses do exist. Now, for the sake of understanding, if we had like our great-great-grandfathers over 200 years ago, I understand like that, right, that had some anger issues due to the fact of their environment, right? Their environment uh, was making it that anger conducive or implementing mentally and emotionally that anger because they were a suppressed generation. Think about that. Suppressed generation. So when they are suppressed generation, think about the word suppressed. Suppressed means that I do not feel, I am not given the permission uh, I feel uh, repressed, oppressed, and I cannot execute what I'm thinking. I cannot execute what I'm living. I cannot execute in freedom. Right. All right, hold that thought. So here we are in 2023. Question, are we still suppressed? Question and answer, yes. Yes. Mm. Mm. We were born with suppression. We were born with oppression. Now, you said the key. You said when a person realizes Mm. something has to come in reality to say, I am the one that is suppressed. I am the one that is oppressed. I am the one that has been experiencing this. Not just in my here and now, but also from my generational pool. Okay, mm. here we go. So one has to realize that, right? It doesn't matter whether you realize it that you're 12 years old to 100. As long as you realize it. Now, once you realize it, then you have to have a productive change. So now that 20% that I'm talking about is going to overflow and do a hostile takeover of the 80%. And when I say hostile takeover, and this, the Word of God clearly says, the kingdom of God suffers by violence, mm-hmm. but the violence take it by force. Okay, that word right there, where is the kingdom of God? It's not here, mm-hmm. not there, but inside of you. Right. Inside of you. Suffers mm-hmm. by what? Violence. Where is the violence? It's all around mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. We were, it was 
born inside of us. Mm. It was in nature. It, it's inside of people and comes out. Yeah. Our ancestors experienced violence. Yeah. Our ancestors experienced oppression. Our ancestors, you know, they experienced it. So it's Quite naturally, it's going to be in the bloodline. Mm. You see what I'm saying? But again, when one realizes, oh, okay, this is how I'm reacting. This is how I'm reacting to my pain. This is how I'm reacting to disappointment. This is how I'm reacting to my environment. Right? When they realize that, then right. it's up to them to exchange and reprogram uh. themselves. Right? We're teaching, like a person like me, that helps people to understand this is what you're doing. You're still living in a victim mentality. You're still mm. living and thinking what a slave, a slave actual mindset. So when you remove the victim mentality, you're going to put back empowerment. I am empowered today. Yes. I am empowered to know who I am today. I know that I cannot change anything outside of myself, so I have to let that be and only change how I'm responding to that thing. Mm. I really want to, I really, yeah. You see what I'm saying? That's when everything starts to change. Otherwise, Naima, it gets worse. It goes back to the 80. Hold on, I'm I'm almost done. The 80% starts to expand and expand and expand until it does the hostile takeover. Now, guess what? You have lost your identity. You have lost your mind. We heard it, and they don't even know. This is the scary thing about my sister. They don't even know because they have no self-awareness. They have no emotional availability for themselves. Wow. We got to explore that. We, we got to explore how we understand. Is that not it. deep? That's, that's real deep. I'm we're gonna take our, free, God. Thank you. We're going to take our last break. We're going to take our last break, and then we're going to come back and, and bring us to the point of freedom because so many people – are imprisoned by their fear, their anger, their anxiety, and it's generational. And I can I can think of so many. We're going to do this. We're going to do this, y'all. Stay with us. We're going to do this. We'll be right back after this last break. We want you to stick and stay. Don't stray away. we got a caller on the line. We'll get to you when we come back from the break. <laughs> and if you're listening online and want to join this conversation, give us a call, 515-605-9325. Number on the screen if you're watching us on Soulful Solutions, on Facebook Live, or on YouTube Live. Again, 515-605-9325. Press 1. That lights your number up on our switchboard so we can open your mic and hear what you have to say or hear your questions for Dr. Debbie Green. We will be right back after this last break, so stay with us. Hi, this is John Alexander. And I'm Naima Latif. Meet people like you who are making a positive difference in the world. Big difference. Watch us every day on The Media Connection at www.youtube.com slash TV. YouTube it. We'll see you soon. There are people who choose to make a positive difference in the world. Our job is to bring you their stories to motivate you to do the same. Join us each week, host John Alexander and Naima Latif, as we bring you the educators, entertainers, elected officials, religious leaders, and community activists whose works are transforming this world. Find out how you can make a difference, too. Be inspired. Watch the Media Connection. 
Mondays at 5 p.m. and Tuesdays at 12 noon on Cable TV Channel 19 in Chicago. In other cities, check your local cable listings. your holistic life coach. These days, it's more important than ever to work on your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Are you consciously breathing deeply in stressful moments? Do you have a plan or daily routine to maintain balance in your awesome body? Are you struggling to be disciplined in your eating habits? When you partner with me, I'll help you develop a personalized health plan that works for your particular lifestyle. You can find out more about me at yourholisticlifecoach.com, where you can also review my three-step protocol to guide you to abundant health. That's yourholisticlifecoach.com, and I'm Viato. So come. 
uncomfortable. Remember what I said earlier, anything we do with repetition, it, it becomes a habit. So what were they doing? They were addicted to unhappiness. They were literally un- addicted to it. And so when yes. it, even when it wasn't there, they were looking for it. I've had patients and, and clients that would tell me, you know, when everything seems to be going all right, I don't know how long this going to last. I said, why would you look for it? <laughs> right. Why, yeah, why are you? Right. You know, because they're addicted. It's, that's their withdrawal system. That's their safe spot. They know what it is to live dysfunctional, but mm. they don't know what it is to feel good. And they're afraid of feeling good because they think one day they're going to feel bad. I know that sounds That's weird. it. That's what it is. Fear of the disappointment. One day this good feeling is going right. to be gone, and then I'll feel bad again. So let me just anticipate yeah. feeling bad, and then let me just go ahead and feel bad. <laughs> so and that's that's self sabotage. Yeah. it's self sabotage. Yes, that's what I tell oh. them. I say get, and you know what I say to them when they tell me that? I say I'm so sorry. It's not an option for you. Mm. It's not an option for you to think that you're going to tear your being down. It's not an option for you to speak negative of your life. I said just because you ain't used to freedom, that don't mean you're going to get in your way. So I need you to move. Mm. Okay, one thing that... You got to move. Wow. You know, one thing that I'm seeing, and maybe <laughs> this probably is a whole show in itself, but you mentioned, you know, the, the generations ago where people were in a state of forced servitude and made yes. to feel helpless yes. and did come out of it. I mean, it... it, it, it it was kind of an explosion of the nation. You know, war is like multiple explosions. But the society changed. And, yes, there was resistance. There were some people who didn't want to change the social structure. However, over time, we have done that. Now, there might still be people with attitudes of resentment, but they don't have power over you. No one has power over you. You have the capacity to create your life as you want it. I run into so many people who keep going back to the thought that other people are suppressing them and controlling them and not allowing them to become who they'd like to be. They're holding on to that. No matter how many other examples we have of people who have broken out of that mindset and gone on to do some magnificent things, they are in that belief that they are being repressed, and it seems like they create that condition even when it doesn't exist. And because they're carrying the energy of it, it, it ends up attracted to them. If you're always believing, all oh, these people are prejudiced, they're going to fire me from this job. All these people are prejudiced, they're not going to give me a good grade in school. All these people are prejudiced, when they stop me in traffic, they're going to try to shoot me. I mean, if that thought, and you're carrying that thought and that paranoia and that energy of fear and anxiety and and repressed anger that your ancestors may have felt because they may have felt helpless to change the situation, then you keep recreating that in your life even when it doesn't exist. And that's what I'm hoping we can help people get out of get out of the the thought that you must fear the society, you must fear people in the society. You don't have control over what's going to happen to you and therefore you're a victim. Because if if all of us are energy and all of us are contributing to the energy, 
you with the power of love that is the controlling creative power of the universe can walk into a hostile room and change the energy. And you can raise the vibration and you can create joy. Comedians do it all the time. That's why that's why somebody uh, like a little bitty Kevin Hart can fill a whole stadium full of people, and they can all be laughing. He's creating energy of joy, and he's just one little man. But we see people do it all the time. We have that power. We all have that power to create a higher energy, even if the energy around us right. is negative. So none of us are yes. victims. If we could just learn that. Yes. So how do we how do we teach well, people that? Well, the thing about it is we we have learned helplessness first. Yeah. And that's what you were talking about at the beginning. Learn helplessness is when you feel you have no power to change your situation. So what happens is you then create other things to justify or solidify, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Those those type of, of, of thoughts. Uh, like a person will then, like you said, oh, I can't do this because they're doing that. And that's not true. Because we've seen many people do what they want to do and not pay attention to what other people are doing, right? Okay. And it's only because of the mentality. we got to go back to the mentality. If you are not free, you are in bondage. There's no great shape mm-hmm. there. Either mm-hmm. you're going to be free or you're not. Right. Like some people are sometimes free. Sometimes I'm not free. No, it's not. Either you're going to free or you're not. If you're going back and forth, no, that's called struggle. Mm. <laughs> that's called struggle. Okay, so if you're still struggling because you're questioning your freedom, it's because you're not used to being free. Mm. you got to get used to being free. Freedom is a practiced, peaceful action that requires a consistent flow. A consistent flow. And you got to learn how to mind your business, first of all. Mm. Most people don't mind their business in life. Mind they business. mind other people's business. Mm. Okay? But if you mind your own business, that means you are dealing with your own affairs. You're dealing with your own mindset. You're mm. dealing with your own stuff. But, again, you're not shifting blame. Oh, I'm not this because you're that. You're doing this mm. to make me do this. Nobody can make anyone do anything. That's right. Remember, repression is a choice. Oppression is a choice. choice. It wasn't a choice over 400 years ago. Well, you know. now it is a choice to be (laughs) oppressed or depressed. Even even that's a choice. I'm making the choices. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, if I'm making the choices, you said something earlier I want to address because I didn't get the opportunity to. Mm -hmm. You say, well, what will, why would a person with children stay in a dysfunctional marriage for the children. Yeah. And I say to you, because they want to do it. Yeah. Right? They want to do it. But the thing about this is they don't understand the repercussions until right. later on. Because what's going to happen is this, and, I'm, and I'm, I've seen this millions of times, those children will become a product of that environment. So when they are, if they, if they ever choose, whoever the parents are, whether they dissipate, which is, which, which is called divorce, or whether they stay together until one dies off or until whatever, but that doesn't change the repercussions. 
children. And most likely, one, if it's not one or two, if they got five kids, I remember some of those children, be it one, two, or three, is going to build up hostility towards their parents. Mm. Because you didn't allow me to be in a in a peaceful environment, I felt forced to stay here, and I don't want to stay here. Wow. That's the reason why children run away. Yes. That's the reason why they become uh, they have all of this depression, they have all of this anxiety, they have this ODD, which is oppositional defined disorder, because of the repercussion of their childbearing years. I call it childbearing years because guess what? Even though they out the womb, the they still got a bear. Mm. Right? Okay. Mm. Truth be told, we've all experienced some type of repression, oppression in our lives when we were children. Okay? But again, if you don't have no self-awareness that you are this dysfunctional person, okay, if it, you can become a narcissist. Right? You grew up with a person that was prideful, that was always taskmastering you. So your mind is like, oh, it's all about me and not about you. Because I had I, I had to survive. I had to survive. But guess what? Now you're raising your children with the same iron hand and don't even realize it. Mm. Until one day, one of your children may come up after they have gotten grown. Oh, I don't like you. I never did. Ooh. I never did like you. Wow. And, and, and children from the ages of 12, listen, I'm so serious, from 12 to 17, because that's the teenage years, yeah. I've seen and sat with children, adolescents, teenagers, they turn around and tell their parents, I hate you. I always hated you. Woo! I, I can't. Yes, ma'am. Because you forced me to be in a situation that I didn't want to be in. You wow. forced me to look at how daddy beat you. You forced me to look how, you know, you were accepting him when he, he was cheating in your life. You forced me to stay in this environment. Mm. And now you want me to be all right with it, and I'm still dealing with the abuse. I'm still dealing with the abuse that my father did to me. I'm still dealing because someone forced you to be there mm. because you were a child and you could not make the decision to exit. You have some of them to even come to uh, a term, what they call emancipation. Yes, they want to be emancipated right? from their parents. I like, don't they're, want to be divorcing your parents because all y'all are dysfunctional. Yes, and I choose not to be. We've seen adolescents do that from the age of thirteen years mm. old to seventeen. Wow, no longer want to be. So it gets so bad. Listen, to this. this is the last part, and I'm gonna be quiet. It gets so bad that they have to go into residential. Mm. Residentials where they're taken out of the home and put into another place. Rather than live in that toxic environment. they become of age. Wow. There you have because it. Because they're so dysfunctional. They become yeah. hostile. Yes. They become hostile. Not, not only that. Not only that. Not only do they become hostile. I just read this recently. 15-year-old that was actually... Taken, um, he was in foster care. He was in foster care to the point where the parents, for some reason, did not want whatever. I don't know the I don't know the background history on this kid yet, but he is so hostile to where he's in the group home. He mm. has threatened everyone. He said he's going to kill everyone. 
everyone, right? Oh, wow. Now, he doesn't have a gun yet. Wow. He said he's going to kill everyone, and if he can't kill everyone with a gun, he's going to use a stick to stab them, right? Okay. Oh, wow. So, of course, they send this child to get an evaluation. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They send him to get an evaluation, and the evaluation at this point, you know, is saying that, you know, he's, he's what they call ODD, oppositional defined disorder, he uh, is on all of his medication for his psychotropic issues, okay, and now they wanted him to, you know, get other therapy, but he's so angry. Mm. He's so angry. So he, again, emotional hustle, take over. He can't control his impulses. Now, he's 15, truth be told. If he doesn't sort it out, if someone somewhere doesn't help this child to get back to his levels, which which we call baseline, if he doesn't get back to those levels, and he still has this, this uh, you know, this ideation, which is homicide ideation, because that's mm-hmm. what it's called, okay? Mm-hmm. Homicide ideation, if he doesn't get back to his baseline, he's going to have to be taken out of society. Wow. So he would never live. Wow. He, he t- do you see what I'm saying? And there, there, there. Even when he gets to 18, yeah, he's gonna come out of the group home because he can only be in there until he's 18 years old. So, so we got now, three years to save that soul. Wow. This wow. is I'm telling you how it's created, my dear. Yes. This is how it's created. A lot of times we don't know the background of these people that are serial killers. We don't know the background of these people who are going mm. to take the gun and kill it all their family and then turn the guns on themselves. You don't know the background history. Wow. wow. But if you went back in the history, then you can see. Yes, ma'am. Definitely form. issues in the history. Yes, we got a caller. Uh, <laughs> well, we're going to. 773 436. It's a deep. It's a deep. Oh, and uh, before, we, before, before we take our caller, uh, Zelda Robinson. Grand Rising, as a certified Montessori educator that educates the subconscious brains of children under the age of four through the nine senses when they have 80% of all the information if they live to be age 2000. Uh, and, And they are taught no, no, no. You never outgrow your need for no because that's what's programmed in your brain. And that intergenerational epigenetics inheritance DNA is not just something that we imagine because when Reverend Dr. Prophet King talked about 100 years later, 1863 to 1963, he omitted the 246 years of being a movable property thing called chattel. And when you uh, don't have, when you're not 
not just a motherless child, you're a fatherless child because your slave master mama has taught you everything that you knew and you did not overcome it in 60 years because we refuse to, for, as a society to comprehend the damage that has been caused through our genes and our DNA alteration. And it's, it, we have to separate ourselves and get our own category so we can deal with our repair. Crimes against our humanity and Jim Crow genocide is still going on today, and we got to deal with that. And I yes, want to know, why don't we? Well, I thank you so much, Mama D. We appreciate you, as always, and you can hear Mama D. Uh, of course, she's got so much wisdom. If you listen to talk radio, you can hear Mama D on many stations, but right here on the Female Solution on Saturdays. But, you know, uh, this is one of the reasons why, and I know we're about to wrap up our book, Slavery, the African-American Psychic Trauma. Is just, it's always sold out. It's always sold out. We're coming out with the, uh, the audio book as, as well as the Kindle version of Slavery, the African-American Psychic Trauma so that we can heal from this. We must move forward. As Dr. Debbie is saying, we have to put something else into the next generation so that we are not still reliving this trauma and recreating it and feeling like victims because we we are not anymore. We have power in our hands to create the society we want to create, but we got to change the mindset. And and like Mama D is saying, there's, there's no, 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 we have to change that to yes, yes, yes in the way we raise our children. Dr. Debbie, last words before we go. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, as I said, one has to become responsible for one's own life. I, if every human being was responsible for their own life and actually lived to the highest self that God created us to live, then, of course, we would not have issues in our tissues, right? Okay, so being that that is not the case, then reach one, teach one. If someone could just say to another human being, hey, you are loved. I don't have to know you to love you. I don't have to be introduced to you to understand that you are, should be, and is accepted by love. Love is secure. Love is secure to all things. And that's what we cannot forgive. And that's what creates the non-loving pattern that's inside of us. But accept one thing is true. As long as we carry the, the blood banner, which means I am somebody, regardless of what I've been through, and I'm going to love myself until I heal. That's what I want to Love that so much. Thank you all, folks. Facebook, please, please, please subscribe to our channel. I know I'm just new, and I probably only come over here on Thursdays, but I'm actually getting ready to create something different. It's called Rise. It's getting ready to go for it starting on the 15th of September. You're going to be seeing my face all over the place. Rise, <laughs> reaching inward for spiritual empowerment. Hey, remember that. And tell us the YouTube channel so they can go and subscribe. <laughs> and where, where do they find you on YouTube? YouTube. Well, it's Dr. Debbie Green. Dr. Debbie Green. Go, go to YouTube, YouTube, Dr. Debbie Green. Dr. Debbie Green. Yes, it's going to be created. It'll be on there soon. So I'll be um, actually coming back on Facebook, we're doing all of everything, all social media, which is implementing, it should be of September. All so right. again, stay tuned. So you can learn.
end of our show today, but you can hear every show in the archives at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution. You can also hear today's show on the Female Solution Facebook page. Go to www.facebook.com slash thefemalesolution. Leave your comments about today's show. You can always reach me on my website at www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. Watch our TV shows. Listen to our radio shows. Order our books. And be sure to get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to thank all of you who participated in today's discussion. And to our global family listening from all around the world, we say thank you. To our family in China, Sheshe, India, Zanyaba, Japan, Arigato, Korea, Kamsamida, Russia, Spasiba, Germany, Danke, Poland, John Kujum, France, Merci, Spain, Gracias, Italy, Grazie, Egypt, Shukran, Ghana, Medasi, Nigeria, Eshe, South Africa, Ngiabonga, Senegal, Jared, Kenya, Asante, Israel, Toda, Pakistan, Shukriya, Afghanistan, Tashakur, Saudi Arabia, Shukran. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Thank you, and may peace be upon you and the mercy of God and God's blessings. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.